I spend most of my time in the train looking at people's eyes. People do give me weird looks. They're looking at me because I'm looking at their eyelids, their iris colors and so on. It just fascinates me. I'm Kanti Fitania. I make artificial eyes for patients. I give them heaps of confidence by saying, listen, you lost one eye, but that's nothing. We can make the other eye very similar, healthy, shiny, correct iris diameter, correct pigments, correct uh, blood vessels, everything. They're bespoke eyes. They're made with lots of care and attention. If you have a, a prosthesis in, in your hand that doesn't look right, then you cannot hand it to a patient and say, listen, try it. No, it's got to be right before we give it to you. If you get the iris diameter wrong, you can make an eye angry. Did you know that? Each eye is never that easy. It's always got to be done right. And that makes me different. When I was 23, 24, I trained as an optician. I used to work with uh, eye doctors in eye hospitals, and there was always some patients who had an unsightly eye. That made me intrigued, so I went to a few people who gave me some idea of what I need, like flask and clamps and uh, chemicals and all that. So I learned how to use all the products. I went to train myself and hid away for a while. I found some little bits of uh, chemicals and uh, from a little bit of powder, I was able to make a shape. Wish I could remember where I put that shape. It was the first shape I made and it looked like a bit of rubbish, but it was part of an eye. And from that shape, I thought I could do this even better than other people. Before you came here? An oven is a device for heating. Is it for cooking? What is, it for? Cook. is it for curing? The first day I met George, he came in in his coat and he came in like um, not on a punctual time or anything like that. There was no time there. It was like, you know, like the tsunami. Suddenly he was in the practice. Didn't say a word to anybody. Didn't say, hi, I'm George. You know, just, just came in. You know what evaporation is relevant to cut paint, yeah? Okay. Picasso didn't paint it and then walked away. Picasso didn't use an oven. Or Van Gogh. <laughs> this is more intricate than Van Gogh ever did. My name is George Brown and I'm an ocular prosthetics painter. I came to it through painting. Probably described as a very fine artist. Do lots of quite realist painting, very intricate, detailed stuff. I'm currently working out of my bedroom. Um, for about a year, I was going into the shop to work, but it's a it's a very small space, and we just get on top of each other. Remember the first day George started? I gave him four eyes. Guess what? I lost them. He says to me, "Canty." I can't Where find them anywhere. This, this, this is this is a. Do you remember? Do you remember no, I don't remember this picture. I went there a few weeks later, and I said to the porter, 
at Swiss Cottage. Oh, there was, that was one incident about That's two it. years in, maybe, yeah. yeah. And, and the first day. Georgia dropped down his pocket and he said, I had some friends for a party. I can't find the eyes everywhere. I moved the furniture everywhere, can't he? Probably easier for you to redo everything again. So one day I went there. I was, uh, he wouldn't let me in that place with security. He hasn't given me what flat he lives in, anything. He's quite a cagey character. So we're going to find him. So I went to the porter. He said, I've got something here for you. Yeah, It's some eyes. I said, George, here you go. Yeah. See what I mean? I found them by the porter and said, George, there they are. Okay? Canty is uh, unique as a boss and as a human. And a sort of, uh, we both have a weird sense of pride that's maybe unwarranted, which can make it quite challenging to work for him. But I think I'm quite challenging. George could answer the phone more often. He could be there more often. You want to answer? It always goes to voicemail. See, it goes on and on like this. Any time of the day, it's like this. Welcome to Give See, Guff's voicemail. It's like that all the time. Calling. Can't take your call at the moment. Please leave your message. Is that proved to you that he doesn't answer the call? There you go. I think there's a mutual respect there for each other's uh, thorniness. I, I answer my phone, like... All the every call except if if I if I haven't answered my phone, it's could be because I'm working on the eye. The phone will be ringing. I'm trying to get something done that's very specific. I'll call him right back. Oh, look at that on cue. <laughs> Hello. George, yeah. Having said that, there is yeah. moments of genuine insight and um, knowledge and experience. George, lots of things can go on. It's a very complicated process. The way to do it is to do it thin, as George has been told. The thinner you do it, the less likely for ripples. It shines through the madness on top sometimes. So I wouldn't have it any other way, really. I can show you that. You can wear it now. The process of making an eye starts off by examining the patient very carefully, see if they want the treatments. Have a seat on here. Look look up the ceiling. What does that feel like? Normally I vet my patients to see if they're really ready to accept an eye because I get a few patients who are not happy to accept what they've been through, through an accident or a tumour, and will simply not accept any eye, no matter how good it, I've made it. Sometimes... you just show? How many have we done of those? About 100 been doing that one since I first started here, I'm sure of it. I don't go close to the patients unless they are happy for me to take an impression, take some photographs. Some patients are very nervous because sometimes in the clinic it's claustrophobic. There's lots of uh, things happening in here, lots of lights and situations where they're not comfortable. So I take them for a walk and I check their eye colour while they're chatting with me out in good daylight and say, listen, look at your eye colour. How beautiful is that eye colour? We can give you the pattern, we can give you the design of the iris, the pupil pigments and everything. And then we go in pre-impression fitting types of techniques. False eyes can be very uncomfortable 
by the nature of how they're made. If you don't fit it well, you'll find that the eyes are discharging. Normally, we try not do an invasive impression. An invasive impression is where you put jelly into the eye socket and squeeze all the alginate silicon into the socket and pretend that will measure the eye. A lens that we design, that I fit, it's made lightweight, hence longer wearing time, never having to remove their eye every time they go to sleep. Lots of practices say, listen, take your eye out because it won't be comfortable at night. Why don't you just take it out at night? I always say, why should you? An eye should be part of the body. It should be biological, invisible, and natural in every dimension. There you go. Here you have a gauge that we created. And this is the iris diameters. This is to measure the lid aperture. So we make a flask for each individual patient. So it has to be under pressure at a certain temperature. It's, it's called a Stellon flask. They don't make them anymore. So I had to have all my machinery made. I hope to get... And then we have to cure it and bake it and do lots of four or five treatments to it before we get the eye ready. I come into the process once Canty's met the customer and once he's made a shape based on the measurements, he'll bring me that and he'll bring me the photos and based on those references, I'll start painting the iris. My workbench here consists of a set of acrylic paints. We use really only the primary colours. We got a few different shades of brown that seem to crop up a lot, but so it's useful to have those. So I have a palette here, um, and then to the left of that, there's this bodged wooden construction. <laughs> I inherited this from Canty. <laughs> this might be a, an eye excellence heirloom, I don't know. It looks like it's seen a lot. He does get things right recently. Uh, in the past, things have been like, measure the iris diameter, George, before you touch it. We had a very rough six months, would you say? That we had everything going wrong. It was about a year, probably. Yeah. It was longer than yeah. that. So things were going wrong, and I was a bit harsh on young George. <laughs> no, the words, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at the age of 28, George, I said I got married. Well, George, what are you doing with yourself? I said, get the eyes right. And he's getting them right. So, once Canty's dropped the shape to me, he's usually filed them down a bit, but they'll, they'll need some more. I have a filing block. Basically sand them down so they're as smooth as surface to work on as they can be. And then this is bit's a bit trial and error. You gotta attach it with wax onto the little swiveling thing. Once it's on, the first step is to measure. There's a button, a circular button in the middle of the shape, which uh, shows you where the iris will sit in the eye. And that should be the right size, but you have to measure because it's never a given. Um, and when you're measuring, you've got to scale down everything by half a millimetre because once it's finished, once it's been glazed, everything gets magnified. 
So you're constantly working on a smaller scale than it will eventually look, which is why I've got these large magnifying goggles as well I have to wear the whole time. Well, how did the, the eye form, George? The human eye? Yes. I don't know. This what are we all made up of, George? Millions and millions of cells. Yeah. And each cell is unique and pigments are unique. In the fetus, the eye forms slowly, as you know, a bit like the retinas formed. It's like the onion ring. So it's a small onion ring and the eye grows with time. And that's how you get the retina attached and the iris pigments attached. So all these things are in cells. So we're trying to replicate the cells. Usually takes about two to three hours to paint an iris. I'll start with the darkest color. That'll be the first layer that goes on. And then on top of that, I'll build up the color from dark to light. Everything I paint's got to be duller and darker. Because although I'm working from a high-res photograph the whole time, in that cooking process, everything gets intensified and it'll come out too bright. So that can be quite a hard uh, balance to strike. I also have to bear in mind the pattern of the iris because no two are the same. So I use miniatures paintbrush, which is sort of a series that is the smallest you can get. And then you just slowly rotate the shape, go round, mark by mark. There's no easy way around it. You've just got to take it as slow as it is. I have this solution here. It's sort of like eye drops. You add it to the iris whilst you're working and it can recreate how the finished thing will look. So the magnification and how the light will catch. George is spending um, heaps and heaps of time when he's not here looking at eye colours, aren't you? Yeah. That's good, because when you look at eye colours and George looks at everyone's eye, look them in the eye and say to them, I know about eye colours. Once the iris is painted, the last part that I do here will be the sclera, which is the white of the eye. And depending on the age of the patient or in the photo, if there's any marks or anything, you just have to add a slight amount of colour, dull it down. It'll usually be darker if they're older, there'll be more marks. And once that's done, then I'll take this shape to the shop where Canty is and that's where I'll varnish and do the um, blood vessels and then he'll finish everything off. In the varnishing process, um, what's gone wrong before, I think, is um, if you don't get an even coat on the whole eye and there's gaps in it, I think that can cause problems. Um, and then when it cooks, it the, the paint will move and it will smudge. Um, what else can go wrong? If the varnish is not pure or cure, cured properly, then we have... Uh, oxygen, we have water and that seems to manifest and cause the eye to look dull or almost like a mirrored look, which is horrible. It could help if George cleaned the brushes thoroughly. Thank you. 
don't know if George has seen this one. He was shot in the face. They made his whole face, and that's the result of the lens that we fit. You don't become an artificial eye creator overnight. It takes years to have a history of patients. Well, this patient had a bilateral loss of eye, so we made brown eye and blue eyes. See? Most of my patients become friends of mine. They all come to me when they were young teenagers. Now they've got families, they've got driving licenses. I encourage them to forget this idea that an eye deters them from having a normal life. This guy had a car accident and uh, look, he was repaired. So you can repair faces if you do it properly. This lady came from Brazil and you won't be seeing her again because she's happy. I always tell my patients, if you don't like what I do, tell me and we can recalculate and redesign it and remake it. And it may take some time to get it right, but we do. I had a patient today from Bulgaria who isn't very happy with his eye um, fitting, so I'm redesigning it. So I'm starting from scratch and hopefully we can get him on the road to recovery. I want to be not doing three eyes a day. I want ten eyes a day to be made. Ten eyes a day times five. The equation changes for George. The equation changes for me. We may have to hire more artists and so on and train them. I'd like George to take over the business, but he's got to understand only one thing, and he knows what he has to do, is to put in the hours. But George is AWOL most of the time. I went home on Sunday, 8 o'clock, so I can give George some work on Monday morning. He said he was out. It he was night. entertaining himself. Were you out entertaining yourself, George? Be actually, honest. Yeah. Where yeah. were you? It was the football, wasn't it? No, I <laughs> saw that there was a fair. A fair? I wasn't at the no, fair. No, at the, after, uh, the park near where you live. There's an open day type of thing. OK, well, I wasn't there. I was out, though. I'd give you that. people enjoying themselves. I thought they all looked like you, George. He hasn't been to Glastonbury this year, have you, George? You do always think I'm at Glastonbury for something. George always goes to Glastonbury. Can I go to Glastonbury? Well, no That's where the, all the artists go, don't they, artist? No, yeah? I can't afford to go to Glastonbury and what you pay me. Disgust. Elton John put in the hours long, long time ago singing all these lovely songs. He didn't become a good singer overnight. He was spending hours doing things, and I spend hours doing things. I used to spend hours looking at magazines with eyes, all day long, different colors, different countries. Hence, I've got no religion, because religion doesn't matter with the eyes, does it? So everyone has a different colored eye. Ask anyone, I don't believe in God. I believe in eye colors. This episode of Fresh Eyes was brought to you by Selfridges Broadcast Channel Hot Air as part of their Summer 2018 IC campaign, exploring different ways of seeing. It was a Radio Wolfgang production and featured Kanti Fatania and George Brown. 
The assistant producer was Holly Aquilina. The sound designer was Ivor Manley. The producer was L. Scott. And the executive producer was Ellie DiMartino. I'm closed. Don't you come in. 